three, two, one. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Failure Friday, where we talk to friends, family, business owners, clients, and sometimes complete strangers just about how failure has shaped them into better versions of themselves, more successful versions of themselves, however you want to measure that. And we hope to get something from these stories something that will give back to the community that's maybe in the same situation, going down the same path, or maybe just stuck in a rut. And maybe their experience will give back to that group of people so they help them overcome these situations. And today we have a very good friend of mine, business owner of Rising Grimes, a training facility. They focus a lot on professional athletes, but I go there, so clearly I'm not in peak performance shape. But so they they do give a they do entertain some of us normal folk. Um, but Jason Smith is here. I call him Jay. He wanted me to introduce him as shithead, so we will. Um, Jason, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got here? All right. Um, as mentioned earlier by you, um, my name is Jason Smith. I'm the owner of Rise and Grind Training. Um, and just pretty much basically just got here by um, just hard work hard work, going through a lot, um, believing in myself, not being wavered on what I what I would thought, but just only what I believed and just adversity after adversity and just cons- being consistent and believing in myself. When did you first get into fitness though? Because you're a pretty short guy. Was it because you were picked on? <laughs> no, I got into fitness actually, you know, in high school, like I did wrestling, I did track, played a little football and, um, after all of that, I went into the military. And um, in the military, I was a medic. So I um, started doing all the fitness stuff in the military and started going to school and kind of, it just fell in, fell into me as a passion. This is gonna be a really dumb question. I feel like people are gonna make fun of me for this, but because you were a medic, did you have to go through the same training as someone who had a more physically taxing job? Yes, I did. Um, so I was a medic, but I was what they called a compact medic. So I spent a lot of time with the Marines and I was stationed with the SEAL team a lot, so all those guys did was work out. Oh wow, I didn't know that. There's a lot about your your military history that I don't know about. <laughs> so you got in what year and when did you get out? I got in in 2002 and I got out in 2010. Oh, so you did some time. Yes, I did. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, so we yep. live in Jacksonville, Florida, obviously. So, what was your branch? I was United States Navy. Okay, makes sense. I mean, a SEAL, again, dumb question. The SEALs are part of the Navy? Yes. Navy SEALs? Okay. Yes. There we go. <laughs> so clearly you didn't come out of the military and just immediately start owning a, a fitness gym. Correct. Where did you start? So when I got in the military, I knew that I wanted to be involved with helping some kind of way. Um, and probably the dumbest decision I ever made was not knowing any better. I said, oh, I met a guy in the DMV. I was getting um, some paperwork done and he was a wrestling coach. And because I work out a little bit, he was like, hey man, uh, what do you think about coaching? I was like, man, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm interested in coaching. So some kind of way I ended up being an ESC assistant just to have a coaching job, which was probably the dumbest decision I ever made at that time because if I knew better, I could have collected unemployment from the military at a certain rate until I found a job that was secure instead of making like 10 bucks an hour. What? I didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. So explain that. Is there a name for that? Uh, they just call it, are you talking about the, the disability or are you talking about the uh, 
the coaching with the uh, ESC assistant. So is that has that is that always been a thing when you get out of the military until you find a job? Do they educate you about that? Yeah, they educate out? you. Yeah, they educate you about that. Um, but at the same time, you still get the same benefits as everybody else that had a job that you get paid prior to. So they would have held it for a certain amount of time. Maybe it might have been a month or two months until you found a job. But the military really set up a program to transition you into whatever your rate is. So like I could have transitioned into going straight into the medical field. But I didn't want to do that. I had enough of that. I seen a lot. So I was like, yeah, I'm done with that. They didn't have any other transition process for if you wanted to transgress an industry boundary? Yes, they did. But at the time, I didn't know that. So I was one of those guys getting out, kind of, it's kind of like, you did everything, okay, get out, go find it. So it's kind of like I was finding out on my own. One thing I've noticed just today, I mean, that was a little while ago, but today a lot of people when they get out of the military, especially people that come meet with me, is that there just seems to be very little education on their options afterwards. Like it exists, but it's not like, you know, given to them in a packet when they leave. It just seems like that could they could do a better job at providing that information. I don't know. You tell me. Or are they just lazy? Um, there's there's things out there, but usually when you transition out of the military, first of all, you spent half of your life, um, a majority of your time in the military. So it's hard to make that transition to back being a civ civilian again. Um, there are programs out there that you can do, but it's just like the lack of education. Like for me, coming out, I didn't have anybody senior to tell me, hey, don't do this. You can collect unemployment until you find a, a job or, or or you could get into school until you find it. It's kind of like you just out there and you just trying to figure it out on your own. It's kind of like you're in and once you're out, you're out. Figure it out. Were, did you know Drake? Drake is his wife, by the way. She was also in the military. Is that where you met? Yes, that is. <laughs> so did you guys get out at the same time? No, actually, she got out way before me she got out probably like in 2004 oh wow okay Did I met her immediately in, Go ahead. I met her in boot camp I was oh, actually wow. in boot camp yeah and um she was like a standout seller and I saw her and I was like man she's beautiful so I told a guy in line with me I'm like hey you know go tell her I, I said what's up so at the time <laughs> well, I couldn't get out of line I'm in the military I gotta see information oh. <laughs> right and I'm short, so I'm in the back. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I know you love short jokes, but anyway. Um, so he goes to tell her, long story short, didn't see her for a while. Um, graduation came. So say they graduated on a Thursday. Um, I wasn't leaving to my duty station for another couple of days. And I ended up running to her again at the next that and I talked to her. It was like we're just gonna change numbers. And you know, we hung out that day and I was like, I'll see you again, you know. So, so they after had that, cell phones back then? <laughs> oh my God, are you really doing that? <laughs> Stop being like that. <laughs> yeah, they had cell phones. <laughs> so, um, but I didn't have one because I was in boot camp. So we exchanged numbers, um, but I didn't see her. Um, I went to my A school and duty station. So it's probably about a year and a half. I hadn't seen drinking. I got stationed here at, at NES Jacks. And um, I remember we was out on a cruise on the JFK. And I was working out in the rain and it was time for uh, us to go get lunch, what they call chow. So the guy was like, uh, come on, come on, come on. So we get down there and he was like, bro, it's this pretty girl right here. And I'm just like, bro, I don't care about no girl. Like, you know what I mean? And it was like a slow-mo movie, man. I'm telling you, she was doing stuff to talk to her friends. And she kind of just looked back. And when she looked back, it was like, 
oh my god like what a coincidence so i saw her i spoke to her and um i just said hi so i, I didn't push up on her or anything so it was like four days i kept telling the guys like man i'm gonna say something to her and then you know how it worked i'd never seen her on that boat i had been out there probably three months from that day i saw her i saw her every day and i finally finally yeah so finally you know i was like you saw her because she wanted you to see her <laughs> yeah i hope that's the case so uh i went to talk to her and i just couldn't do it every time i saw her i was like chicken and out i was like man no, i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna do it so one day i was just like forget it. i'm gonna say something to her and I, the rest is history 18 what years later what'd you say i don't even remember <laughs> 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 Whatever it was, it was good because, it, like I said, it's 18 years. We've been married 18 years. So, okay, wow, that, I've never heard that story before. That was pretty cool. Okay, sorry, <laughs> that was backtracking a little bit. So, you got out of the military, you became an ESE assistant, so you could coach wrestling. I'm guessing you're gonna find out a way to segue that into the next right. stepping stone. Right. I did not want to coach wrestling. However, what I needed to get into coaching, what the guy explained to me is like, it's networking. So, if you want to get to football. The only way you got to get in the system first. So the only way I could get in the system at the time is he had a position for me to coach wrestling. Right? So once you get into the Clay County system, I started coaching wrestling as a coach. That allowed me, because you get a coaching certificate, you coach any sport. You don't, it's not like you have to have a coaching certificate for softball, volleyball, or wrestling. Just one coaching certificate. So I did that. And once I became a, a wrestling coach, that opened up the doors for me to be able to coach anywhere. Anywhere in Clay County? Anywhere in Clay County. Correct. Is that how it works for most counties? Um, no, actually, I take that back. It's anywhere in the state of Florida once you get the coaching certificate. Wow. Right. You can coach anywhere in Florida, but, you know, I, I'm Clay County where I live, so I was trying to coach around here. Does it expire after a certain amount of time if you don't right. continuously coach? Right, right. I think it's like four years. So how long did you coach wrestling before you got to football? <clears throat> the same year. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, I was coaching wrestling at, at one high school. And as I was at that high school, they were building the new high school in Clay County, which is called Oleaf High School. It was the newest school in the county. So they hadn't had a football program, a coach or anything. So I interviewed with the coach about it. Um, they didn't even have a weight room. So I interviewed and I got the job. So that got me in the coaching. So that's where the strength conditioning thing kind of came in because he wanted me to run a strength conditioning program, but they didn't have a weight room. So we would be outside doing military style exercises, trying to get strong for football because the school didn't, it was a brand new school. Is so you made your name. Uh, I would say, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I mean, it's building relationships. I just really cared about what I was doing. I cared about, uh, you know, it's a passion for me. So I started training those guys. Then finally they asked me my opinion about the weight room. We ordered equipment into the weight room and I started coaching football there. So I coached football there, then I skipped to another school and probably two more schools after that. And then finally I was like, yeah, I'm done with it. I tried Duval, it just wasn't for me. <laughs> Why? Out of curiosity. Wow, a little different, a little different. Um, you know, I, I, I spoiled being out here in Clay County coaching. And once I went to Duval, it was just, the demographics are a little different. The kids were a little different. They're a little tough, a little rough. Um, what you say don't matter. Like. <laughs> You tell them to do something, they'll like cuss you out. You know what I mean? Like it was just different. It was hard. Wow. Okay. See, I, that's that's an area that I mean, I have absolutely no knowledge on that. I wouldn't think that Duval would be much different than Clay because it's not like they're far away from each other. These are counties that like literally kiss. 
Yeah, but they're very different. Very different. Is is uh, Duval have more poverty than Clay? Absolutely. I, I would say. Well, of course, yes. Duval is so is so much bigger. Um, okay. But yeah. When you think about you think about the school, so here go a prime example. In Clay County, right? Clay County, there's only maybe I'm just roughly shooting here six high schools in Clay County. You talking about from Keystone Heights all the way to Orange Park? Now think about how many high schools in Jacksonville. I wouldn't even know. Exactly. Public high schools. Public high schools. I don't know. Guess like what is it more than twenty? Oh, absolutely. Really? I would I, I would think so. Yes, I would think so. It's up there. You got to think about just on the hundred and third right there. You got probably you got Westside High School, which used to be Forest. You got Ed White. You got Lee. Um, I'm just shooting off names here. You got, there's so many schools in Duval, man. I'm telling you, it's a lot of high schools. That's so that's crazy. why Clay County schools only kind of really play Clay County schools and Duval schools play Duval schools. Okay. You okay, know? so but you did come over here and coach at some point. Yes, I went over to Westside uh, the first year. A, a coach that I was coaching with, we took a job. He took a job and hired me to come over and coach with him at Westside. And I went through it the first year, and I'm telling you, it was it was very challenging. It was challenging, and on top of that, let me rewind that a little bit. I took a job because at that time the SC assistant wasn't paying enough money, mm-hmm. so I took a job working in a Winn Dixie warehouse. Wow. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, that work was hard. It was very hard because it's production based. So you, you picking up everything that you see in the stores. You're trying to load this stuff up on the cart, drive around, you know, on the forklift and, you know, wrap it all up. It was just too hard. And I was doing that at night and coaching football in the day. So as soon as I left football practice, I would go straight to work. How, how has your relationship with hard work been your entire life? Did it, were you always a hard worker? Did you learn to be a hard worker in the military? The military. Um, when I first got in the military, it was kind of like it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, I wanted to leave at boot camp, so I remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, so I wasn't. People say that. Yeah, I wasn't ready for it. Like I'm, I'm there and I got my my regular clothes, and the guy get on and start yelling. I'm like, oh hell no, this ain't what I signed up for, right? They get into your face, spit like popping on you. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, and you can't punch him in the face because he's like three times your size. So, you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was a wake up experience and I kind of just fell into like, I just want to be the best. I just want to be the best. So that passion, military kind of got me disciplined. It got me structured to where it was like, all right, if I'm going to do it, I want to be the best at it. So okay. that's what got me going. And that's what got me all the accolades in the military. I was seller of the year. I got NAMS. I got all these awards. I saved a lady from a burning car. I got wrote up in the newspaper. Um, Man, uh, Master Chief Bashir, you probably don't know him, but have you ever seen the movie uh, Men of Honor? The diver? He had his legs cut off? Okay, well, anyway. That was dramatic. Whoa. Yeah, I was at his funeral, so I did a lot. I did a lot. Um, Like I said, I became probably one of the best sellers, (laughs) you know? That's awesome. So, I mean, there has to be something with what they're doing, because that happens to so many people that go through that. Like the military changes their mindset. I'm sure it happened. The opposite happens to just as many, if not more. But yeah, I mean, I mean it's just you always hear that stereotypical story. Like you go to the military and you learn how to work hard, you learn discipline. Well, for most of us, you know, um, you learn it like generational wealth, right? And for most of us, 
going into the military is like okay it makes you grow up like okay if we be honest like dude i just got my first new car like in the military you realize how much it can help you you know what i mean taste of money right right responsibility like so when you leave boot camp just being in boot camp that's your first thing the first thing they do is set you up an account like when you're in boot camp they set you up an account um because you get paid while you're in boot camp so you got to think a lot of people going to military never really had a lot of money like that in their hand and then you got to a boot camp your account got like five g's in it four g's in it you know what i mean like wow because you don't get to touch it they feed you so you don't have to spend the money they're doing everything in boot camp so that's the first real bulk of money you had so you got a lot of people that like okay i can do this and then you got a lot that's of people first like, taste right of having that that's really right. cool i've never looked at it like that like people go they're taken care of so they're not thinking about right and they get out and there's money there like it depends on your life right and it depends on your lifestyle like for me that was my first account ever i never had a banking account i'm whoa that's crazy what yeah yeah but i imagine that 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 is alluring at first but eventually for a lot of people it probably starts to feel like a trap right because you get used to that security and that's that's where to leave that's where the disconnect where people stay for life right because they get comfortable a lot of people get comfortable and they do that for life and then when they get out of the military it's like wow i'm retired but what do i really want to do you know and i i think that yeah it's the security and it's it's the thing about being comfortable and some people have things that make them get out um deployments um your family because there's a lot of times that you might have to deploy and leave your family there and you've gone away from yeah. your your family for a year or six months you know so that's big i have a lot it's of clients in the navy and um it's like i feel bad complaining about when like aj went to the texans and stuff because they'll be talking to me be like oh you'll be okay because like their husbands got deployed for a year or something crazy like that and they they just get used to that i also think that's the reason why a lot of, there's a lot of infidelity in the yes military. yes what we call Jody. <laughs> yeah, Jody. Yeah, Jody popped the milkman, the mailman popping up to your house while you're on deployment. <laughs> that's so, crazy. but but yeah, that's 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 a real thing. And I mean, like deployments really. Being in the military is just like when I was on deployment, it really helped you grow up. You start thinking about it's crazy. So picture being out in the middle of nowhere at night. Oh, here's the ocean. You know, you're looking at the stars. And you start thinking about everything that you did as a kid. Like the time your mom told you to do something, you slammed the door like, oh, I hate you. You know, all those little things, you start just sitting there thinking about all the things and you realize how much, how much you should have valued certain relationships and how you value people. You know what I mean? It just gives you a really different it's outlook. Solitary confinement. Yes. Yes. You think about everything. Everything. And when you're out there, if somebody writes you a letter, it's like the best feeling in the world because you don't have anything out there. Like they, you might get mail once a month. And when they drop it off, you get a letter from somebody. It's just like, wow. Someone you know? cared enough about me to write Somebody cared about me to write a letter, right? So picture you in this everyday situation. If you take time out to write somebody a letter, you know what I mean? That's why it's so big that when you see how they talk about uh, people writing letters to the vets and stuff like that, just to make them feel important, man, because you never know what people are going through, you know? You be out there and your wife been messing around on you, you found out, okay, they ain't going to turn the boat around and bring you home. You just got to deal with it, and you got to be at work the next time, in the next morning. You just got to deal with it. Think about it constantly. Oh, right, right. 
sorry we're toddling back and forth, but which was harder, coaching in Duval County or being deployed? Absolutely being deployed. Being deployed. Absolutely. So the first school you coached at, I guess in the infancy of your career of coaching, were you able to make real connections with people that you still talk to today that still come to the gym today? Or did um, that come later once you became more confident? So that, that wrestling coach, uh, he still actually come to the gym and bring his kids from time to time. The same wrestling coach that I met when I got out. Really? Um, yes, he does. Um, as far as building relationships, it's just different because in this in Clay County, let me just give you facts. All right. So in Clay County, the guy that got hired at the school, he was the first black man ever being hired as a, as a head coach in Clay County. The first African-American. Where? When? Which? When you were coaching? Yes, at Oakleaf High School. He was the first okay. black man. You know how long Clay County been around? <laughs> so he was the first black guy. He had the job a year. They got rid of him. So where'd he go? He just stopped coaching and put a bad taste in his mouth. So now when you go back and you look at it, it's like, okay, it's only one more. Well, recently they just hired another black guy in Clay County. He just got here, but there hasn't been a lot of African American coaches here. So that put a kind of bad it's really it's all about who you know. In Clay County. It it don't matter about your experience. It don't matter about your experience. You could be the best coach ever, but it's all about who you know. It's the good old boy network, as we call it over here. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a few times. Yeah. When he was hired, were you working underneath him? Where were you at? I was still working at the high at the high school as the ESC assistant. So okay. I would leave school when they got out to go over to the school to uh, coach with him. Now, once the school opened up, I became an ESC assistant at the school. And I was dealing with kids with autism behavior. Yeah, that would be hard. Yeah, I, w- I didn't know what I was getting into. So when a kid like starts smacking himself and screaming and coming to hit you, I didn't know nothing. Or you just walking down the hall and they just scream, ah, and fall down. I was like, what's going on? They didn't train and, you? Uh, safe crisis management? Yeah, but like, that's later on. Like they get you in the door. You got the job they need on the first day of school. You walking a kid to school and he just turned around and slapped the hell out you. And you're like, what just happened? Like, you know, you <laughs> like, for real. Like, and then you start to learn like, oh my God, like these, they really have autism. but. Along with that, I would say that there was some good times with, with those kids. It was some good times. Like I, I met a kid that was had like a savant autism. I guess it's different spectrums of autism. And this kid can quote Three Little Pigs. That was his book. Three Little Pigs. And you can literally say, hey, tell me about Three Little Pigs. And he'd be like, once upon a time, there were Three Little Pigs. The, the story verbatim, without a book. Wow. I've seen a kid that can take clay and just make a sculpture like just with clay wow but don't talk and these kids are older because it's high school right? oh yeah they they 23 19 oh gosh not a lot of verbal they do a lot of sign language um but then you had the behaviors like the behaviors like you know you're just dealing with kids like you get them off the bus and you're like hey excuse me kids excuse me and regular kids you know they don't want to move so you get them off the bus you let them go walking guess what <laughs> hey don't take but one and after that, you ain't got to worry. When you get him off the bus, the sidewalk clear. Like, Jesus coming because <laughs> he'll smack the hell out one of the kids. <laughs> that would be so hard as a parent, though. Because, and I bet you see a lot of kids in those types of programs that just don't get the attention that they need. It's hard. It's hard because you got to think, if, as a, he is the assistant, it was you and the teacher. And maybe one more assistant. But y'all got six kids. 
couldn't imagine. And oh, and you, it's bad. So you did that. So is the requirement less for you to take that job so that you can get in the network for coaching? Yes. So you didn't need to have a teacher certificate or none of that. Like you could just walk off the street as long as you got a good background, you can get in there. Okay. You know. That makes sense. So that was your in. Right. How did you make the transition? I mean, this is a huge gap here, right? Like you're a high school, you're an ESC assistant, you're coaching wrestling, then now you're making your way to football, you're going from school to school. What was the milestone you reached to where you were confident enough to leave and go start your own gym? And what did that well, look like? Well, that came with a lot of adversity. Um, i never forget the story about that was, so I had did, went to school, I had got my degree and all this stuff by this time. And um, I was doing internships around a lot of gyms. I'm not gonna call names uh, about gyms, but I seen some good things. And I seen some things like, wow, if I did it, I would do it different. Of course, you take the good and you leave the bad. Mm -hmm. um, and I never forget, like, I was just, a kid asked me one day, he said, hey, this at the school in Duval, coach, can you show me some speed and agility drills? And I'm like, yeah. So I went to the dollar store and bought some hula hoops from the dollar store, like 10 hula hoops and laid them on the ground. And we started doing speed and agility drills through there. So he was like, hey, can you record me? Don't laugh, because you're gonna say I'm old. I'm like, yeah, I record them. So I record them. I used them as teaching purposes. Hey, you took a false step here. Hey, don't do that. See how you lean in this way. So once he got it down, I was recording. He put it on Twitter. At the time, I didn't know about Twitter, okay? So two days later, I started getting the guy like, hey, can I come get some work? I'm like, sure. The guy played for the Minnesota Vikings at the time. Then the next day, somebody he knew that played for uh, the Seattle Seahawks wanted to come train. And I still got these same hula hoops. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm doing speed and agility training with these hula hoops. And um, now keep in mind, I'm still trying to find my way. I'm doing internships at different gyms. Um, and I think that's one of the things that benefited me because going to all these different gyms, I even went to gyms that were all like Christ. Like the gym, all they played was church music. What? I have yes. never, that's kind of dope. Yeah. Where's that at? That's Temple Builders here in Jacksonville. You ever heard of the Potter's House? No. Potter's oh, House, the God. restaurant? <laughs> you so greedy. No, I'm talking about, it. okay, yeah, the restaurant is there. The restaurant is called a Soul Food Bistro. But the mm -hmm. actual Potter's House has a mall, has a movie theater, has all the stuff in it, but they have their own gym called Temple Builders. I did not know this. And I was doing my internship there, and it, it, one of my internships there, and it was cool because you got to see the, the older population. All the older people that come in, that's where, so when you think about building a gym, so you think about liability and everything else, that was the population you get. So Temple Builders, they had a regular gym, but what keeps them afloat? It was okay. Well, they got silver sneakers, right? So think about that. With silver sneakers, you never have to worry about getting a payment from anybody because their insurance is going to pay them because they rather prevent them from getting sick, or, you know, right? So the insurance pay for that every day. They had silver sneakers. They had pool water aerobics, all that stuff. So every day you would see the old ladies coming there doing that kind of stuff. And they played church music while you work out. It was just slow. It's like you look at your watch and you feel like you've been there three hours and it's only been two minutes. Oh, yeah. That's so different than yeah. five at your gym. Yeah. So different. I will say, I talk about this so much on this podcast is that the most value you're ever going to get when you're pursuing something you want to do is to work in that field first. I know right. Younger people specifically don't want to hear that because they want something like right now. But right. the best thing you can do is do what you did, is go and work 
underneath someone, whether you're paid or not paid, and I would argue it's more valuable to learn what you don't want to do than Correct. what you want to do. Correct. So, Which I mean, sounds like you did a lot of. A lot of. So I even went to, like, the rehab centers because, man, it was amazing. I seen a guy that was paralyzed. That put, they put him in a robot and they kind of help him walk. Like, all the stuff was amazing. Like, I, I did that. I've been to sports places. I've been to regular gyms. I've been to nursing facilities. I've been in hospitals because in hospitals, when people have a uh, heart, right, or any kind of injury, when they start to recover, you got to bring them into the gym. So the, the gym, hospitals in the gym, you can work in that field. So I've been all around to see, you know, was the this different. Was a specific program that you were in that helped you with these internships? Like, what? Yes. Yes, I was. A, What's a, that called? Exercise science. I was an exercise oh, so science major. Your college. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So then you, within your major, you pursued how? How often were you switching locations? I stayed here. Matter of fact, it was right here in Jacksonville. Um, when I first got my bachelor's, it was right here at Kaiser University in Jacksonville. And that's where a lot of most of your veterans gonna go to a school like that because it's beneficial. You, you know, you go in from nine to one, and it's hands on. So, yeah, it was right here in Jacksonville, so I didn't have to switch the locations. But every time you did an internship, you had to go work at that job, and you worked for free. Right? How often was like your your time span at that one like at Temple? Oh, you had Temple to go up a month. Okay. A month. Everywhere so you went, you worked for a month. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it it's a lot. You, you learn a lot. I mean, you realize some people are going to say, hey, just do this. And and keep in mind, I, I did this. I already studied it. I already had a, associates in that and stuff. So I I kind of knew when I was going to an internship, I knew right and wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You going some, you know right and wrong, but I'm not going to correct anybody on stuff I see because it's their business. I'm just going to fall in line. compared to getting your hands dirty, though. Right, like, right, you right. You can study... I mean, I, I majored in economic and finance in college, and I can tell you for a fact, you do not use 90% of that shit. Correct. And you have to go out there and learn it. Like, you can't put a price on that. Yeah, you're so right. how long did you do that? What was the pivotal moment, the milestone you reached where you're like, Drika, I'm ready? Uh, like I said, so how back to- How old were you? <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> probably, I don't know my age when it happened. But it was years ago. <laughs> but you don't I, remember every detail about that moment? That would have been terrifying. No, but you got to realize I spent half of my early years in the military. So that time just flew by to me. Like, I was still trying to find myself. So when I did the schooling and did all that, at the same time I was doing schooling, let me remind you, at the same time I was doing schooling, I was still working in the school. Um, and now I was doing weightlifting. I was a weightlifting coach in the school. So I was doing football, track, and weightlifting. Oh, wow. So I school. was at the same school. So I was able to apply everything that I was learning and knew I was already applying it to the kids then. And I was, you know what I mean? So long story short, we was, uh, those same guys were working out with me and we all went into Bailey's one day. And we in Bailey's working out. Well, somebody spotted me that knew I had a degree in the field. Now, keep in mind, I'm just working with them. But, you know, some people are just jerks. So I'm working out with these. It's probably like seven of us, eight of us. And I'm actually working out with the guys. And they come up to me like, hey, you can't be in here training people. Like, you can't be training. I'm like, I'm not training. I'm working out with them. No, no, no. So they made a big deal about it. So the players at the time, matter of fact, your husband playing with one of the guys that was training with us um, right now. But 
they they made a they put up a big stink like dude we'll take our membership away from here we don't have to train here like blah 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 and i remember walking out of there and i looked at the building and one of the guys say don't worry about it you're gonna own this building one day and that was one of the moments i remember taking a ride home that lit a fire in me because when you tell me no it just it, it gave me a drive like that lit a fire in me um so in the midst of that um I left, I was, I was looking at buildings. I started pricing buildings. I never knew how much a square foot building was and all this stuff. So I got really discouraged. I was like, yeah, this ain't working. I came home, was kind of frustrated. And my wife, man, that's my, my rock. She sent me a picture of an empty building. And when she sent me the picture of the empty building, that's what sparked the vision of Rise of Grind. So what? she sent me, she just, huh? She what, just sent me a picture of a building? building. It was just a random building she saw that was empty. On like the way home, like this right. work. Right. So I started pricing and pricing, getting discouraged. And one of the things is uh, I always hear that you can have a thousand nodes, but you only need one guest. Mm -hmm. There was this old raggedy place, uh, a tire place, and it was like an empty building. So I went to ask the guy, "Can I have the building?" He was like, "No." I'm like, "Okay, cool, whatever." You know, but I wasn't gonna take no for answer. So I went back a couple of times to finally. He was like, "Dude, okay, right." They charged me out the butt for the building. I opened it up. I'm talking about it's rats, it's mice. And when you open up the back garage, they got tires all over the place because it was a tire. The place that I was getting it from was a tire place. So I went in there, me and my wife sweeping, cleaning. That's where Rising Ground started. Sweeping, cleaning, putting up uh, sheetrock, painting, putting in the real work. And uh, it started there. You know, I started, you know, doing that. And at the time, I was generating enough. You're trying to get your name out there. I wasn't generating enough income to be able to pay for that little spot. So I started doing substitute teaching while I was doing it. Because at the time when I started, you would work only in the afternoon because the kids are out of school. So I had like three or four kids when I started there. The kids that I was training in Duval didn't have cars to drive over here, you know? So I started doing that. And um, yeah, it was, it was that. And we started there. We started growing a little bit. Uh, small and um, uh, at the time I was still in school and I remember this another pivotal moment to me I remember being in class one day and this dude got a better grade than me on, the, on the, one of the tests you know and I thought I did better than I did I probably got like a B or a C plus or something but anyway the guy got a great grade and uh, him and the professor was laughing about it they thought it was funny and I was actually really pissed off Kim. like I was really pissed off you know what I mean because you, you worked for that grade yeah, yeah. I mean, I studied, but it was just, it was me being in my feelings a little bit. I felt like, like as an instructor, you shouldn't have been like in cahoots with the guy, like making a joke about it. So I was like, okay. So I was so pissed. I remember telling him, that's okay. Because I'm going to be the student that came out of this classroom. That's going to be a multi-millionaire. And the guy that you're going to want to come back and be like, oh, this guy came out of this class. Da, 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 da. Right? So hold on to that. So let's fast forward back rewind back to rise of grind so i'm still working at the little gym i just opened i'm doing okay and i'm in Publix with my wife one day and now since i got that gym those guys still mess with me remember i told you the same little guys that i had the little nfl guys i went in Publix and i told my wife i said man i just need me a jaguar i said i need me a big time jaguar and um she's like yeah i'm like yeah and this when i start knowing how you could speak stuff in existence. That had to be like a Wednesday. That following Monday, do you know who I had the pleasure of training? Who? 
Jalen Ramsey showed up to freaking Rise and Grind. He was my first actual Jaguar player to train at Rise and Grind. How did he hear about you? So remember when I was coached at a high school in Oak Leaf? I think one of the kids is kind of like his uh like good friends with him or like his something in his treat I don't know if he's like not his agent but his brother is Jalen's agent or something like that or you know what I mean like he worked with some him. loose connection like that yeah. right so he they end up he ended up bringing him to my gym to train that's that's really cool I didn't that's crazy that's how you got in with all the guys no that's not <laughs> hold up it's better it gets better so. I worked in this rise of ground. I trained Jalen. It was cool, you know. Never put it on social media. Never did anything like that because I'm like, yo, it's cool. It was a good experience. And I also, out of respect, I know his his dad trained him all his life. And I'm not going to take credit for nobody that ain't really grinding with me like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, long story short, I move to the next building, which is where I met you at. Um, me and my wife wait, go to... Wait, wait, so I didn't even meet you at the bottom? Nope. You met me in the middle. <laughs> We still on that journey. We still on that journey. So yeah, you met me at the bottom. Cause cause we still on the journey. But when we moved into the second building, me and my wife go to the Martin Lawrence comedy show. And don't know much about Jaguars, cause I don't watch I didn't watch Jaguars. Like I didn't watch football like that. Not Jaguars anyway. And um we stand in line. But I do notice I was a big Miami fan. I see Calais Campbell walking by. So I tell my wife, yo, that dude play for the Jaguars. She's like, hey, give him a card. I'm like, no, she's like, go tell him. I'm like, bro, listen, I'm not going to run up on nobody at no comedy show, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to give you chill bumps. So I told her, I said, if it's meant for me to find me, they'll find me. He was with this guy. This guy that was with it had curly hair. You know this guy very well. So we sitting inside the comedy show. We get into the comedy show. We're sitting on the road. Everybody's sitting on the floor. I guess we were by the area where the people on the floor can walk out to get drinks. They come walking right by. She's like, go give him a card, give him a card. I'm like, no. If it's meant for them to find me, they'll find me. I left it alone. Fast forward, you know, a couple weeks later, I get a call from a guy agent. He wanted to come in and do some free sessions. The guy shows up to do the sessions. I'm like, whoa, this can't be real. That's how Smoot came about. Smoot was the guy with Calais Campbell that I saw at the comedy show. That's so funny. I was at that yeah. comedy show, by the way. Right, right, right. So Smooth was with Calais. Well, I, I was there too. Like, the okay. wives were there. <laughs> right. So fast forward. That's crazy. Right? That's crazy how all that came about. So then he came in and we started training. And um, he's a big, he's a, he, he played a big role in this because I guess at the time, um, yeah, he was kind of shaky in his career. And he took a chance to train with me. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm forever grateful for that because you have somebody that believes in you. When they at the end of theirs, like they don't know where they're going to end up next year, how they going to feed their family. And for them to believe in me, you know, and then he bring everybody else. So that's I'm how like, I met you. I'm like kind of mad at you, though, that you had the attitude. Like if, yes, there is something to say about if you put it out into the universe, it comes back. But then like there's probably that's got to be a go-getter and just go like lay the card on the table. That's not you yeah. though. I will say that's not you. You're, so, you're the if it's meant to be, it's gonna be type. Of right, thing. right, right. I can't get too high, get too low. Um, that's just the way I live my life. I don't get too high, get too low. I kind of try to stay, you know, focused on the present. Um, a lot of times people tell me that um, I don't take time to enjoy the moment. So if I take you back to the old rise of grind when I told you it was tires back there, 
I put a net up and it was Tiger's bag. I used to always keep it closed. And for some reason, one day I was listening to TD Jakes on the radio and he said, sometimes you got to see a vision. No matter what it look like, it's your vision. You got to see it. You can't expect nobody else to see it like you because it's your vision. And for some reason, that day, I opened up the back and I started looking at those nasty tires back there. So when everybody came in, they saw nasty tires. Guess what I was seeing? The rise and grind that we at right now. It's exactly what I wanted. The turf field, all that, I was seeing that. So that vision that when the people was looking at tires, I was looking at that. That's, that's really, I'm a really big proponent of visualization. I spend a lot of time every day visualizing what I want. So much. And there's been so many studies done on how that plays into materializing actual things. That's, that's an actual tool you can use. It's just spending time. Every morning when I get in the shower, I sit and I spend at least five minutes, I just close my eyes and I think about what I want. I think about what I want about that out of that day. I think about what I want out of that year. I think about what I want out of the next five years, 10 years. And I, I think that that is something, it's an easy tool that everyone can do every single day. Because yeah. then, then shit happens. Right. Right. Even it, it doesn't even have to be about a business. It can be about a girl. It can be about <laughs> a man. It can, I mean, that shit is real. Right. What in that whole process, because you really like boiled down a lot of time into not so much time. What was a major failure looking back now that played a really big part into who you are today? If you had to pick one or two, like a really big gut wrenching failure, maybe not even related to the health industry that made you better, that someone can learn from. Well, <laughs> since you brought up through all that process, um, just being busy, working, um, I say one of the biggest things that probably affected me that I wish I could change and I can't is I lost my mom during that time and that was like a, a blow because she used to always call me while I'm training. And I'd be like, yo, like, I'm not answering this phone. Why she calling me? I'm working. Like, God, leave me alone. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I never, I never answered the phone when she was calling. Every time I saw her, it's like, okay, I get her. I'll call her later. Then I get off work. I don't call her back. And, um, man, that really hurt me, man. That, 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 you know, losing her, man, kind of. Were you close with her? I'm assuming you were close with her, but you're also talking about ignoring her. Yeah, I mean, you know, because I'm not saying ignoring it's kind of kind of took it for granted. Like, I'm the military had me so when you gone from somewhere so long, like that was my mom, but I had to go for her forever. It's like, that's my mom, dude. Like, I, I call her back. Like, I'm gonna call her back. You know what I mean? There wasn't a sense of urgency. Right. And, and now it's like, I wish I can you talk call. to her. Yeah, man. Like I still got our voicemails on my phone. I won't delete them. Yeah. Um, but at the I same time, good. Um, the person I am, you know what I mean? I, I, I mean, I was at work when they called me. I was actually, I wonder, were you there? No, I started, you started training me after she passed. Okay. So I was in work. I literally um, texted you. I was like, hey, I need to get in shape. It was right after I had artists. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So like, she, I can't do it right now. I got to, <laughs> my mom just passed. I need a couple weeks. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was actually in Rising Ground when they called me. I stepped outside. Bam. Got the news. Took it in the chest. Turned around. Went back into work. 
right back into work finished up all my sessions that day um um, my wife always said you never really grieved on it but me i'm just like you know it's like bro, you haven't like, cried about your mom passing yeah i mean jason i mean listen listen not like physically like break down cry but i mean i i shed the tears but i know i got to be strong man like my dad raised me for to who? be strong who? for my family no. for everybody i got to be strong no, for my dad no one needs you to be strong people need to see you be vulnerable so they know how to process their own bullshit right but at the same time like with me one of the reasons i didn't tell anybody and deal with that because i didn't want anybody sympathy man i'm good like you know just in my mind it's like oh i'm sorry no you're not you didn't know my mom like i deal with it how no, i deal but with they it. know you right they love you yeah but i dealt with it that's how i deal with things everybody deal with things different so i dealt with it you know and it was like a, a gut rich and blowing like i'm telling you that was like a wednesday and like thursday i'm down south getting my dad because my dad had two strokes. So he he's, you know, can't use but one side of his body. So I'm down there getting him, bringing him back to my house that wasn't expected. And, and then, you know, the next, I'm here for a week. I'm picking out caskets. My wife, man, my wife, man, she she was there. She did all of that, man. She she found all the paperwork. She she did everything, man. She was amazing during the process. Shout out to Draco. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, it was some, life throws some crazy stuff at you, like, I'm down there and I'm I'm down south. I haven't been home in years because you know I was in the military. I ain't been home in probably 15 years, right? And my aunt asked me, she was like, when her friends came over, she's like, hey, when the last time you seen Jared, who was my childhood friend? I'm like, man, I ain't seen him. It's been 15 years since I've been home. I ain't seen him. So I go to the funeral home, get myself together because I'm like, okay, I gotta go view the body, right? Because we're having a funeral. So I um I gotta use the restroom. So they're like, hey, yeah, you can use res- restroom down the hall and back. I'm like, ooh, I ain't going back down. <laughs> mm-hmm. I go find the restroom. I'm scary. I ain't going back down. So, <laughs> so uh, I leave out. I go go across the street and I see this guy looking at me. I'm like, today ain't the day, buddy. Like, it's not today. So I go use the restroom and I come back and do like Jason. And I'm like, it was the dude, Jared. He was, you were not at the funeral home? Or you're at the funeral home. I was at the funeral home, but I walked across the street to use the restroom. Because I wasn't going to the oh. funeral home. And he would happen to be across the street at the, at the store and saw me. The same dude I hadn't seen in 15 years who they had just asked about. Literally that's before we left the house. Telling me. That's weird. You know what's Did weird? come with you back to the funeral home? No, man. No, I, I just said what's up, you know, and, and kind of kept it moving. Um, what was really weird is my mom really liked butterflies. They still creeped me out. So I, was, I had my dad for a week locked up the house and everything we went back because i had to go view the body right mm-hmm. i unlocked the door to let him in the house and the butterfly flew out the house Ooh. yeah so is that your, like, is that your mom's thing butterflies that's how you know that she's yes. there yeah but i ain't ready for that like i don't deal with that too well so my dad was like hey you gonna sleep in there i'm like nah bro you got it. i'm going to a hotel why oh. okay let's talk Man. about that why did you process the symbolism of your mother as something that you didn't want to be around it ain't that man i'm just like yo like a butterfly really just flew out this house i'm not <laughs> staying here bro i'm not <laughs> i'm not doing this man i'm not i love my mom you understand but if she show back up oh <laughs> we got problems <laughs> i'm out <laughs> i'm out i'm not gonna sit in oh no no i'm gone do you think, serious question, do you think that being emotional is weakness? Absolutely not. 
then why do you come off like you view being emotional as weakness? I don't view it as being weakness. Just because I didn't boo-hoo cry at the time, man. It was like, okay, like I was there. I'm in the funeral. I shed my tears. Like I got a tear rolling down my eye. I'm stopping it. You know, I ain't boo-hoo crying. And I look next to me and my daughter's crying. My wife crying. My other daughter crying. I'm like, yo, tighten up. Because seeing you emotional was so beautiful. I don't think so. I, I hope just, Rika's listening. Yeah. I, 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 I heard, conversation about this. Just seeing my daughter cry, man. It's just, and you wouldn't understand, you know, from a man perspective. But AJ would understand, like just something by me, and I'm I'm sitting, there, I got a tear rolling down, and I see my daughter, who I never like. My daughter's crying. I'm like, yo, get it together. Yeah, but it, I it, think it was AJ would because AJ's the same way as you in that respect. Like, so it was kind of emotion out of him is really difficult. And I, I think I didn't cry either because like she was so proud of me and, and and like just hearing all the things that she told people is like I was a superstar to her. So my mom, I was the only kid, and um, yeah, it's just like, and it's not my real mom. Oh yeah, illustrate for the audience kind of your childhood background real quick. Okay, so when my mom had me, she was a teenager. I think she was 15, 16 years old. She couldn't take care of me, so she gave me away to her aunt. Her aunt was married to the guy that I know as my dad. She died when I was eight years old. But he had, they made a promise to each other that if something happened to one of them, they would still take care of me. So once she passed, my dad remarried, who I knew as my mom, and they raised me all the way up. I got 10 brothers and sisters. I know my real mom. Um, so yeah, I'm the oldest boy. I got a sister that's older than me and all the rest of them fall under me. But the woman, the angel who passed was not your biological mother. Right. It was someone who just saw you and loved you and raised you. And I was her only child. I was her only child. She never had kids. I, I was the only, only child, so. And the That's father you're gotta... taking care of now is not your biological father. It's this. Nope. It's your the uncle. same. The same guy that took me in, that raised me. Right. He's your uncle. He was married to your mom's sister. Uncle in law. I don't know how that worked, but yeah, I never really got deep into it. I just called him pops. <laughs> but it's somewhere down there. Yeah. Right. Something right. Like right. But, but it's just so... cool because people who weren't biologically obligated to you took you and made you and loved you by choice. Which I think is really cool. You can't they say you can't choose your family, but they chose you. Right. So that's why I'm like, I don't know. I, I just I just look at things different. Maybe maybe my childhood made me look at things different and, and the things I experienced. So that's why when people say, "Oh, I didn't grow up with my mom," or "I didn't this," like, bro, like, stop having excuses. Stop having excuses. You ain't the only one in the world that had that problem. Instead of saying I can't, say how can I? Like, figure it out. Isn't it fascinating how trauma affects different people differently? I mean, like, so AJ lost his mom at a very pivotal age, too. I think he was 16 when his mom passed away, tragically. And just for him, that was a driver. Right. You see other people, the same thing happened. They use it as an excuse. A crutch. You know what? What spooks me out is that you can ask me what I ate last Thursday for dinner, and I can't remember. But yeah, the night, but the night my mom passed, my first mom, like I'm like eight years old, I can tell you exactly what she had on, what we ate for dinner that night, 
what we watched on TV. I can remember all of that. Did That's she so pass weird. in front of you? She had a heart attack. And I remember I was asleep on the couch. And I remember them um, taking her out. They cut her gown open. And it was working on her. And I was sitting there just looking like I ain't trying to try and figure out what's going on. Because I just woke out my sleep. But I remember that night before, there's nothing that bothered me. That night, she made stew. We had stew. And we was watching a Cosby show, I believe. And she told me um, she was eating. She was like, can I go fix her some more? I'm the youngest. Her and my sister, all of them. And I'm like, man. So I go in there, look here, get on the stool, go to fix the stool, but I'm pissed off. So I slapped <laughs> the spoon down into the thing and the gravy hit me in my chest. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, oh, you know, I'm trying to get it, you know, but I remember all of that. That's crazy. But I can't that remember what crazy. I ate last Thursday. And you'll remember that the rest of your life. It'll be one of those memories that you probably thought about on the ship when you're looking up at the stars. Yeah. Probably replayed that a hundred times in your head. Man, I have some have weird no memories. I have weird memories like that where I just think about them randomly. Um, okay, but when your mother passed and when I started training with you, you had already established a, a, a pretty great brand. How did your mother's passing project you forward even more? Whew. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So um, so at the time, I was looking at another building. Um, didn't want to go to a bank and get a loan or anything like that. So first of all, I was like, man, when I was sat at the funeral, they talked about, everybody talked about how much she loved me, how much she believed in what I was doing, how proud she was of me. They said that all she talked about was Jason, 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 Jason. So that made me feel like, dang, man, like she really like was talking about me to people. Like it was stuff that nobody would know but her. And it was like, she was proud when, I made of the, you. when I made the newspaper and all this stuff, it was like, wow, like she was really down to telling everybody. So every, people don't even know me. They was like, I have never met Jason, da, 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 but all I know is all she talked about so that's that was one in itself so to get into this building my mom may have a big life insurance policy and stuff like that you know um but i need it i'm just throwing up right there say like i need like 10 grand right to secure the building and um it's crazy um so i was like okay trying to figure out if i'm gonna go to the bank you know and drop 10 grand to get into business to move into the next building well when they cut me the check the check was the exact amount i needed to get into the building Okay, so when things like that happen, do you get emotional or do you get motivated? Or do you motivated. Get motivated. Because I'm like, man, my mama, man, like, all this working like this, I can't fail. I can't fail. Faye's not even a, a thought to me about it. Like, at all. Like, no, I can't. Like, I feel like she sacrificed, you know. And how all that just lined up like that, you know? No, it's definitely happened because it was supposed to happen. I think what you're doing, and you're also, for people that are watching this, he is also incredibly talented. Like, this guy will find a piece of floss on the floor. He'll come up with some weird thank fucking you, thank you, thank you. that makes you sore for five days. Like, he's just really... I never thought before working out with him that someone could be just naturally gifted at what you do. I mean, it's probably the same way people think about, like, what I do. It's just like... No one's naturally, when you think of naturally gifted, you think of drawing, singing, dancing, artistic forms like that. But I can honestly say the reason why we still fuck with you so much is because you're good. It just comes naturally to you. It's like an, it's an art form. Thank you. Thank so you. I appreciate it. That in combination with just, I think a lot of what's happening to you, it, it really is destiny. And I think it's a beautiful process and I'm, I'm really happy I get to witness it. Um, 
this experience you had with your mother's death, I, I, comparing it to other people's failures, everybody's failure looks different, doesn't have to be death, but with you experiencing that and the takeaways you receive from it, how can your experience help someone that's starting out in the same path as you? Would you recommend what? them interning? Would you recommend them? What would you do differently to get you to the same outcome? As far as? Opening a gym. I, I don't think there's anything I would do different because for me, one of the things that I feel like um, makes me is being able to process the process. I like being I didn't. Able, get, I, let me say to, that. So being able to process the process. Okay. Right. So what I'm saying is like people, like you just said, people want instant, instant. I started, I bust my butt and I grind. I started and bust my butt and grind and just kept grinding, kept grinding. The process. It ain't happen fast. It's a whole process. And I feel like that I value that more than experience of going through all that. I value that more than somebody that, you know, somebody might just get blessed with. Oh, he go $250,000, open your gym. You know, they. How much cash did you have when you first left to open your gym? Ooh, man. Cash on hand. I don't know. Not a lot. Guesstimate. Remember, we're trying to help people. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like 15000 Okay. That's that's something that people can work towards, a security net, to give them right. kind of the, all right, if he can do it, this is what it took. But I also feel, too, in my experiences, I gave a lot to give a lot. I'm a giver. I'm a you giver. I, I gave a lot to get a lot. So, like, I mean, there's people that couldn't pay for sessions and I still train them. I would say this um, is one of your biggest inadequacies because I see it in you because I have it too. Like we are just too, it's great with people that appreciate it and they respect it and they give it back, but people see you and I and they find out that we're givers and they just leech. Yeah, yeah. And I had to learn that. I mean, I, I learned, I had to learn that, but then I, my, my one of my other things was I have to know my value. I know my worth. But I also want to impact people. And one of the things I said when I came into training is that it's a term I used when I was at other gyms. I saw that people always wanted the pie. So what I mean by that, the pie is people wanted somebody like a Jalen Ramsey or Trevor Lawrence, somebody already established. For me, I had more value. I said, you give me enough crumbs, I'll make a pie. And that's always been my philosophy. Like, you give me enough crumbs, I'll get a pie. I can get a pie. Because you try to get the whole pie, that's all you get. With these crumbs, I might get six, seven, eight, 10, 20, 50 pies. So, you know, it's like and you caring see about that. the gym. It's crazy you say that because you feel it. You feel it when you go in your gym and there's all these athletes that have been working with you since they were children and they're coming back and they're 15, 16, 17, 18 in their 30s. And they're, they're still coming back because you've impacted them. You've become a part of their journey that they now they'll bring their kids. Like you've created a generational network. It's really cool to see. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't see it like that. See, I never see it like that because I'm always so locked in and so, you know, like driven. Yeah, you know I would argue that, and it's it's this is similar into my industry. Like, of course, like when a lot of financial advisors when they first get started out, they they want to work with professional athletes. They want to work with the actors and the famous people. But the professional athletes are my least favorite client. I mean, shout out to the ones that I have. I appreciate you. <laughs> they're the ones 
the ones that you build who didn't they didn't have anything or you help them get to the next level those are the ones that I'm getting invited to their weddings they're bringing their kids in they're uh, you know they're wanting to come on the podcast they're the ones that show the most love and that's what that's why I do what I do is for those people I know that in your area it's probably more even more beneficial to have a professional athlete but I like I can't broadcast the athletes that I have you can put it I mean you can use it as marketing but I don't know like that's for me that's the most rewarding people to work with yeah, I, I love my kids, um, and the guys I got, man. I gotta say, man, God couldn't have blessed me with a better group of guys, man. Like the guys I got, man, just so like down. They not snobby. They down to earth. And rise and grind ain't meant for everybody, you know what I mean? But the guys I got, you know, when they leave rise and grind, you know, you know, you know. If you, you if you know, you know. You know how we work in rise and grind. So I couldn't have had a better group of guys, man. When I got a six year old trying to tell her. <laughs> a guard like AJ hey this how you do this drill no you did this wrong do it this way it's a family and that's what I love about it it's it's, it's family man because I got a six year old that don't mind telling a, a pro guy what to do I got pro guys that walk in the gym that when they go to Winn-Dixie everybody running up to them trying to get autographs and I got kids that walk in there and see them like what's up AJ oh, what's up smooth and they just keep going like it's nothing yeah because they work out with them right I mean I, I would go in there six in the morning and you'd have little kids working out they just and it's cool because you just see them i'd catch them just staring at them like what a great experience for them to be working out next to like someone who's doing their dream like they just soak it up like that's so dope to them then they go to school right like i guess who i worked out with (laughs) right and they don't act like it's a big deal there until they leave they're like dude i can't believe i just worked out with you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's just cool man it's a blessing but I tell people all the time also it's like the iceberg effect like I'm not done with the iceberg when people see and they're like wow you get to do this bro you got your own gym you 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 your own boss and it's the iceberg because they don't know all the hell you went through to get to that point no, and you they don't know that you me we both have so far to go still there's still so much to learn Right. So like when people compliment you, I think you and I both need to get better at taking compliments because we do put in a lot of work to be successful at what we do. But we both recognize that there's still more, more work to do. But I agree with what you said earlier. Like it's it's hard for me. I have a fear of complacency. As soon as I get comfortable, I get uncomfortable. So I'm like, okay, I got to put more on my plate. I got to do something that makes me uncomfortable because if I'm getting comfortable, that means I'm not going to grow. Correct. I see that same type of fire in you correct i say that all the time like like man like at one point i was like yo i ain't been working out and like i'm trying to train everybody else i gotta find time to get myself right because i'm i'm being false like i'm working everybody else out all day long from five in the morning to seven at night but i ain't doing that myself no excuses find a way okay that mean okay your first client at five well you better get up at 3 30. find a way to get it done you know gotta find a way no no i don't know i'm not getting (laughs) You will be here at, you're coming tomorrow morning here, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. All right. I got to make sure I sleep in my outfit. (laughs) So the failure, I just, I'm confused on how you would say, circle back, bring into full circle how your mother's death felt like a failure. What about that made you feel like a failure? Just because you weren't present in her last days? I wasn't present enough. I wasn't present enough. I was removed. My mom stayed five hours away. I might have went down there, oh, on a Thanksgiving, you know, every two years or something. 
It's my freaking parents. I should have been going down there all the time to see him. She used to beg me, hey, when you come home, when you come home. But I was so goal-driven and so focused on what I was doing. I never took the time to even just go home and, you know, and see her or, or hang out with him. You know what I mean? And like, to me, it's just like, damn, like, How I wish I How did death change that? I pick up the phone now. <laughs> when people call me, I pick up the phone, you know? Um, and I, I try to tell other people, like, listen, you only got one mom. You need to appreciate your mom, you know, like. I know you might not see the eye to eye, but you know, your mom love you, you know, like talk to her, try to work things out. It's not that serious. You know, at the end of the day, no matter who in the world against you, your parents are always going to be for you. So I do a lot of trying to, you know, just, just give me a different outlook, you know, just trying to help other people. Well, it also sounds like you needed to develop a healthier balance between family and work. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I mean. I pick up the phone. Like, I'm picking up the phone. Somebody called me, I'm picking up the phone. Like, I just regret not picking up the phone, not talking to her. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's up. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just up. And, you know, she was so much younger than my dad. Like, everybody was like, yo, they thought my dad would go first. You know what I mean? Like, this dude had two strokes. Thought you had time. Yeah, he got he had two strokes. He, like, probably 12 years older than my mom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he done had two strokes and everything. And she went out and he's still ticking. He is, he is still ticking. Yeah, his mom 96. Good. No, she's no. not. Yeah, my grandma 96, so my dad may be around for a while. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. There's a lot more dad stories in the morning. Give yeah. me some adjectives. What give me adjectives of how you would describe yourself now as the business owner, as the husband, as the father, as the son. How would I describe myself? That's a good one. Um, I just got to have balance. I really have to have balance with what I'm doing. Um, I got to know when to... That's an adjective. What are you looking for? What are you asking me? I need you to describe yourself using words, not sentences. Uh, I am... Driven. I'm driven. I'm focused. Um, man. Stuck me right You're now. loved. Yeah. I'm loved. You have a I'm lot driven. of love in your life. <laughs> I'm driven. I'm focused. I'm loved. I'm, I'm, I'm goal-oriented. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not selling. Settling um, for less than I deserve. I I just I'm just a grinder. The name say it all, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just a grinder. Identify with that. <laughs> You're a grinder too. I'm definitely a grinder. I'm gonna. Yes, you are. And it's hard because we're living a culture today that's all about self. And I'm not saying that's bad, but it seems like everything you see on Instagram and social media is do what's right for you, put yourself first. But I've always felt like, and again, I could be wrong, but I have always felt like, yeah, you should care about yourself. But if you say you're gonna do something, if you have people in your life that you value, even if it's at the expense of me, I, you make time for that shit. And I see that a lot in you. Like you're gonna, you are going to look out for people first before yourself in most cases. Right. And I value that because I'm a, I'm a giver. 
yeah, we live in a world where everything's about me, I, yo, soy. And um, it's cool we recognize someone else that thinks the way that I do. Yes, it makes us a prime doormat sometimes, but you learn through experience how to cope with that and how to combat that. I'm, I'm working on, on that. You've had more time than I have since you're so old. <laughs> to really process that. I can't deal with you, man. <laughs> you're so funny. See, this wasn't that bad, right? Nah, Did not at all. Did you what it was gonna be? It's just a conversation. No, but you're making it like I'm 71 on here. <laughs> any old who um, um, how can people reach you what's the best way to contact you if people want to collab with you if they want to come train if they have a question can you make yourself available for people absolutely tell them to hit me up on Instagram Rise and Grind Training they can always find me on Instagram all the information my booking sessions my contact information everything's on Rise and Grind on Instagram you can find me um, currently working on the Facebook because it got hacked um, so they're trying to fix that problem now Oh, yeah. Fuck the person pretending to be me. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I seen that. It was scary. So fucking creepy. Yeah. You got to realize it's creepy. Too? Yeah, Facebook? Facebook got hacked. But you know I don't run it, so it got hacked. I was just like, okay, whatever. Can you, is there a link to schedule on the Facebook page as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll make sure to, to put that in there for you again. Thank you so much for coming. I will see you in about eight hours. All right. Thanks for having me. I I'm really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Night. Good night.